Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Johnny and the mothers are playing something at the Savoy in Vermont tonight. Berman's gonna kill my brother at the Savoy Theater tonight. I didn't say that. No, but I know this grapevine. Why would I put it there? Kindness? Kindness? You stole it! He stole it! We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. Hello there, and welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 166, coming to you live from Bayside, New York, and Comac, New York. It is the Ready to Unload New York Sports Talk Podcast. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Steve Sampietro, the aforementioned Sam Pete. This is episode number 166. It is Thursday night. It is 10 p.m. It is February the 27th. It is time... For ready to in love with Cal and Sam Pete. Hi. Talking New York sports nice. That's all. That's all we're doing. That's all it's about. That's it. No big deal. I have a cup of coffee. And I have an adult beverage to go with it. That's it. So crack one of those or pour yourself a cup of coffee nice. Sit down. We're going to talk New York sports. It's not that. It's nothing. Look, it doesn't have to be that way. I'm consistently listening to Sports Talk Radio now, and I say to myself, it doesn't have to be this way. Let's just have a conversation. Let's get started on that, because there's, uh, there's a co-host on the program. Episode number 166, Sandy Alderson, the GM of the Mets, provided us with uh, the topic for today's show, the big unload, 90 win gate, 90 win again. So let's bring in the co-host. That's what we're going to talk about mostly. Hell. He's, um, he's, how do they say, thank you, robot. He's, how do they say, he looks wiser somehow. Somehow he looks a little different. Something's happened. He's the co-host, Mr. Brian Calniva Calpino Caliente Calvi. Hi, Bri. Hi, Steve. How are you, sir? I'm okay. All right, you know, hanging in. Since we last spoke to you. Previously on RTU? That's correct. Something very profound has happened. No, we're not talking about John Neese's clavicle. That, that didn't happen to you, anyway. 
and it, nothing. You were well, fine. That's, that's what you think. That's, <laughs> I, I had a bout of John Neese's clavicle over the weekend. Right. Terrible. Terrible band name. John Neese's clavicle. There's other stuff that's a real good band name. That's a terrible band name. How about John Clavicle's niece? How about John Neese and the Clavicles? <laughs> that works. This is this song is so tender. It is. Yeah. No, you turned 40. I did. I turned 40. You know, if you were a Hollywood actress, you would be furious with me right now. It is not polite to not, reveal the age of a lady. Well, not... <laughs> especially when you say it like that, Barry White. <laughs> or, or, or are you like in medieval times? <laughs> it is not polite to reveal the age of a lady. <laughs> My apologies. Fare thee well. Um, you uh, happy birthday, buddy! Thank you, thank you very much. Your birthday was Tuesday, Tuesday, the twenty fifth. Yep, you uh, the big four zero. You're the first guy to get there, out of our our little group. It's true. And uh, how's it feel to be on the other side now? It's to, really, be, to, to be on the back end, the back it, nine. Yeah, feels feels exactly how it would sound. That's that's where I am, going down. You're on the back nine. Yeah. You've made the turn. Yeah, my tee shot was not good on that temple. <laughs> you don't feel like you... <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of in the woods right now. Yeah, if we're gonna take the analogy as far as we possibly can, if we can, which I think if we, we will, right? If we can wring as much out of this as we possibly can, I don't know why we wouldn't. Sounds like on the tenth you shanked hard, big time, and uh, you're looking to right the ship on the eleventh. Oh. I gotta. Hey, you're off to a good start. I saw you the other night. You uh, you look fantastic. You've been working out. You're dropping some LBSs. You look good, man. Yeah, well, you know, you hit that milestone, or when that number becomes clear to you, you start to, well, maybe I'm not going to have that entire pint of Ben & Jerry's at midnight. Right. On a, on a Wednesday night. On a Wednesday. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I'd better hit the treadmill a little bit. <laughs> Because I'm not 20 anymore, I'm double that. That's right. Double. That's a lot. Halfway home, brother. I'd like to think I'm less than halfway home, but let's, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, this idea that you're not halfway home, I got to tell you, it's, it's, it's crazy. They're trying to sell you. They're trying to sell me that I'm halfway home, and I'm not buying it. <laughs> I am not buying it. I uh, happy birthday, man! I, Thank you. Uh, Thank you. We 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 celebrated on Saturday night. Yeah, we did with our uh, with our group, and it was you know it was great. Great to yeah. see everybody. What was what we we went to uh, we went to Buffalo Wild Wings. Buffalo Wild Wings, yeah. Which uh, which was lovely. And uh, I can't say that without being Frank the Tank. I just can't. We had dinner at... It wasn't the Olive Garden, though. Buffalo Wild Wings, which, which was lovely. No, it was, it was great, but we did not take into account that there was a UFC slash IFC fight. There was an IFC fight? Too? <laughs> right. That's what I, I kept saying, IFC. I may have had a beer or two. Oh, that's what you called it. I said that completely sober, though. That, that was, was early. The best part. You, yeah. yeah. You dropped that one early in the I dropped, <laughs> There's an IFC fight tonight, and apparently Robert Redford is taking on the Weinsteins. 
And <laughs> Steven Soderbergh is in the, the late match. Oh, boy. Well, it was, we had a lot of fun. It was great. Thank you to you and, uh, and our buddy, Dr. E. Ray Nello. It was great. It was great. And we also had an excellent place to compare ourselves to other, say, 40-plus-year-olds. That's right. Like, if you want to feel good about yourself. Like, we took a look around the place, and we're like, you know, we, we look pretty good in comparison. And then we remembered we were in Buffalo Wild Wings. Well, it's, it's one of those things that you find yourself doing a lot more often now in, among groups of, of people. Right. You kind of age out the place to see where you might fall. You age out the joint. That's right. Yeah. But, uh, no, it was, it, it's good. I'm, I'm excited. I was down on it, but now I've turned the corner. I feel better about it. Much like I feel about the Mets. It's really, it's interesting. Wow. If you want a segue. You just did. I'm going to, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tease segue. Segue tease. Double, <laughs> double secret segue tease? I don't know how to, yeah, I got to come up with a name for that. But <laughs> I, the, the, the segue first slash tease, because we're not going to talk about it yet, is that I'm so confused. Follow along. It's very simple. <laughs> we, w- the 40-year-olds get me, right? Am I right, fellas? Yeah. Anybody over 40? You're just you know, a child. At, I'm just a child at 39. You don't understand. No. But I was, all, I was dreading this turning 40 business. You know, and for a while, for the last few months, I, I just kind of circled it on the calendar and really was not looking forward to it too much. And it's come and it's gone, and, and here I am. I have no choice. I got to just go with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have a choice, but... You, you, you know, of course you have a choice. Yeah, the alternatives are not very appealing. No. So I'm going with it. And I've got a better attitude about it. I feel better about it. I've, I've kind of accepted it a little bit. And that's, and, your, uh, that's your Met analogy, right? And yeah, well, the analogy to the Mets is that for, for months, I was down on the Mets. I hated them. I hated everything about them. You know? Sure, sure. Could, couldn't look at anything Mets without getting aggravated. Hearing any kind of news, anybody named Sandy felt my wrath. It didn't matter. <laughs> Sandy Duncan? All of them. Sandy? <laughs> right. Couldn't watch Grease. No, right. horrible. But now, and there are factors that have led to me coming around that we'll get into in a little bit. Sure. But I've started to come around now on this team. And now, tonight on February 27th, sure. on the night of the first split squad game, on the eve of the first spring training game tomorrow, I'm now looking forward to this season. I'm excited for baseball. I'm excited for the Mets again. Hmm. Look at that. It's interesting. Look at what you did. But we're going to get to that because I want to know how you are. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in the midst of Bachelor Week. Right. Or as I'm calling it, uh, Ramen Beer Bacon Week. Ramen Beer Bacon Week. Yes. I've combined ramen noodles, uh, beer, and bacon. In, in a dish? One bowl to, to lead them all. To, to rule them all, one bowl. To rule them all? That's right. And I, I charge you with thinking of a name for this. Ramen beer bacon. Yeah. Hmm. Ram, ra, Rami beer bacon? Ra- Rami bacon beer? Meredith Baxter Bernie? Meredith, all I know is, 
It's you know what we can call it delicious. That's what we can call it. Now, did, is, did you see this somewhere? Did you see this in one of your food programs that you like so much? No. <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> no, I didn't see it on one of my programs. Did you just happen upon this, or was this a conscious uh, thing to try? I think I've said this on this show before, the last time I had a bachelor week. <laughs> and to, just to confirm, or not confirm, explain what this, my, my wife and, and the boys are in Texas visiting her family. Right. And, uh, you it's know. not like hall pass. No, no, not at all. I, it's not even remotely <laughs> like hall pass. You're not even allowed to watch the movie hall pass. I don't, that's correct. That's, that one's on, there, there are parental controls that have been exercised <laughs> on my, my cable box uh, for me, not for the children. No. So um, I have, uh, you know, uh, the, the run of the place. I'm no good this way. There's a reason I got married. But I, I did live this way for a long time. And um, I, I thought that a great spinoff of Chopped, the show Chopped on the Food Network. Sure. One of those programs that I like so much. You like those programs. Yeah. Took a lot of heat for that on Saturday night when we were out with the boys. <laughs> took a lot of heat for the Top Chef love. Um, good natured, though. It, everything was good natured that night. Um, I think. But I, <laughs> I, I had this idea for a spinoff of Chopped, which would be Bachelor Chopped. Okay. So you know the idea of Chopped is, you know, you have all these uh, mis... Uh, what do you call Misfits? it? No, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you, have, you have all these misfit ingredients... Um, and you, you have to make something right with them. So I thought they should have bachelor chopped where they're not chefs at all, but you have like bachelors on and their basket is full of like the stuff that like three week old Chinese food. Well, oh, right. You know, two slabs of bacon, right? A diet Coke, a diet Coke and a bar of Velveeta. You have, you have 20 minutes bachelors go. Make something out of and that. And you got to make a dish out of that. So that's I, what you did. Yeah, so I like, I like Bachelor Chopped. You had that tonight? No, no, no. No, no I had White Castle tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, only acceptable during Bachelor Week. Bachelor Week. Can't even bring it in the house, normally. You had to, like, spray air freshener all over the place after you ate it. That's right. And she's not going to be home for like five days. No. Well, Schindler, did you get a message? I got a text from Texas saying, are you eating White Castle? How did she do that? I don't, I don't eat fast food. I don't. Teresa and I don't eat fast food. We've been off fast food for a really long time. That's good. Yeah. I, I think, honestly, I think we've had it maybe four times in the last two years. Good. Um, it was always Wendy's. Uh, so I haven't had White Castle in probably two years, probably since last Bachelor Week. Bachelor Week, and it's like it's down the block from you. It is right there. Really? Si- it's the sirens call. Right. I drive past it every day on the corner of Northern Boulevard, mm-hmm. and uh, so I went in there. I went and did. I didn't go nuts. I'm sort of proud of myself. What'd you do? Did, let me let me see. Did you do? I'm gonna say you did four sliders. No. I know I, I did not do my normal order. No, because I knew I, I knew it was cliche. <laughs> Here I am, Bachelor Week, left to my own devices, and I'm getting White Castle. 
And also, I, I just wanted I, just a taste. I was very responsible. Okay. And also, you know, I got 40 coming in a couple of months. I'm trying to lose a, a few LBSs. Yeah. So I, didn't, I did not go nuts. Very respectable. Do fries? Did not do fries. Hmm. Two sliders. Two, uh, not double. No, single sliders. Two bacon cheeseburger sliders. I had the bacon and the cheese on it. Okay. Had to do that. Had to do that. Two. That's two. They're little tiny. That's the usual run. You didn't eat anything else? And I had uh, chicken rings. Oh, the chicken rings. I had small chicken rings. That's it. That's it. I didn't even get a shake. They make a good mozzarella stick. They do, make, they do make a good mozzarella stick. It's, one of, it's, it's a hidden gem. That you it, never it, think White Castle makes a good... It really good. is. Yeah. Compliments to uh, Mama White Castle <laughs> for the mozzarella stick because it is, it is very solid. But I didn't, I didn't even go there. I just, I just needed a taste. Just a taste. And? It was, it's ridiculous. Okay. It's a ridiculous uh, organization. It wasn't a gateway, though, was it? WC Steakhouse? It was not. <laughs> that's what my buddy used to call it. WC Steakhouse. WC Steakhouse. It was not a gateway, gateway fast food. I just want to make sure. Nope. Because you still got a couple of nights here. Nope. <laughs> you know. All right, good. No, it was, it was good. It was a treat. I treated myself to something I literally cannot even bring in the house if, if my wife is here. Well, you earn, you've earned that treat. That's right. Don't feel guilty about it. I don't. So I'm, uh, I'm enjoying this. I, I'm, I'm plotting a lot of to- uh, activities for myself. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make the, uh, the bacon, ramen, bacon ramen beer noodles, uh, drunken bacon ramen beer noodles, tomorrow night. Okay. It's going to be a treat nice. You know what the weirdest aspect of this, uh, this particular trip, and Teresa and I didn't sort of uh, realize this, is that she'll be out of town for the Oscars. Oh. And we watch the Oscars. The Oscars are a big deal in this household. Sure. So this will be the first time in seven years. We'll be watching it together. I'll be watching the Oscars, or six years. I'll be watching the Oscars solo. Wow. Yeah. You're not, gonna gonna, have a, you're not going to have a party? I'm going to have a party for myself. With all your actor friends? Oh, uh, is that what we're going to do? I have a bunch of actor friends now. Yeah, well, no, it's not, it's not what's going to happen? No. Okay. No. no. <laughs> little red, little red little carpet red car- action? Yeah. You got a tux on? <laughs> I got my pool all set up. <laughs> I was thinking about making the uh, bacon beer ramen noodles, drunken bacon ramen noodles with beer. I was thinking of making those Sunday night for the Oscars. I now see. I would recommend you try it out tomorrow night. Right. And if it's a success, it's a classy treat. You make it again for the Oscars. It's for like the pre-show. You do it first. You give it a try, like a like a dress rehearsal, <laughs> if you will. When in Rome, right? Yes. Since we're talking about uh, yes, the game of acting. Right. They don't call it that, do they? Nobody, nobody calls it that. No, I, I mean, I'm on the, the utter periphery of, of, yeah. of the whole thing, the whole system, and, uh, but I'm pretty sure, no, yeah, nobody calls it that. Well, that's good to know in case I'm ever in the company of a number of actors and right. I'm trying to gain favor. Right. So, how's the uh, game of acting coming along? Right, not the acting game, the game of acting. The game of acting. <laughs> that should, that'll go over well. Nobody says the other one either. Nobody says, oh, he's in the acting game. No. You could go with racket. He's in the acting racket? He's in the acting racket. 
That oh. doesn't that doesn't roll off the tongue. No, it's it's hard to say. He's in he's in the game of acting. Okay. He's playing the game of life. Well, look, I'm enjoying it. It's I, I miss I miss I miss I miss them like crazy, of course. But uh, it's uh, you know it's a little weird. I told you I, I am I am equal parts jealous and, <laughs> right. and understand exactly what you're going through. I used an alarm clock this morning to get up for work for the first time in two years. Would you have Would you have not gotten up? Your body clock wouldn't have gotten you up. We couldn't take that chance. Okay. The organization could. There's a good chance I would have slept till twelve thirty. <laughs> All right, uh, Cal, we have to talk about our sponsor, and then we're going to do the big unload, which is, of course, the Mets. And uh, as Jay Linder just wrote on our Facebook page, uh, the 90 and 72 nice. <laughs> uh, but we should tell you that episode – Cal, who is episode number 166 sponsored by? Do you know? I know, who, I know it's sponsored by our friend Jay Mafale. Yeah, Jay Mafale and, uh, and, and his, his group. His group, the uh, the No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. I, you know, I almost called it the No Fuss No Feathers Roadshow. Right? No, they took out the other no. Okay. Was I it actually, in there at one point? I actually believe there was a discussion about the No Fuss No Feathers. Uh, no Fuss No Feathers. That's How about not. the No Fuss No Feathers? <laughs> that was never considered. Well, my, else has got to it. My, to my no- That's right. They wanted it. But there's a group up in New Hampshire. Yep. It's got that one. The No Fest, No Fest, No Fathers. Which, they, they're they not good. You know who is good? The No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. The no, don't go see the No Fest and Fathers. Well, I mean, if you see them, it's fine. Don't go see them at the expense of the No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. If you accidentally see No Fest and Fathers, that's fine. Don't walk out. Don't, no, that's not nice. We're not telling you to do that. No. If you should bump into them, sure. You're at a coffee house in New Hampshire. The No, no Fess and Fathers are playing. Fine. But we are sponsored by the No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. And what is that, Brian? Well, the No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow is an in-the-round collaborative project that presents Carol Ann Solabello, Karen Oliver, and the Yayas uh, for... Uh, folks, it's like two in a group, four in toto. Uh, that are that many are, more than that in toto. <laughs> several members more in toto. Many more than four. They do. They don't cover toto either, as, no. to my knowledge. No, these are four very accomplished uh, folk artists. The Yayas have several albums. Uh, uh, Caroline Solabello, Karen Oliver, very accomplished folk artists who have gotten together uh, for this collaborative project, and they're playing live. They're playing lots of live gigs. Uh, they were in Asheville. They're gearing up for a weekend tour March 7th through the 9th. Uh, they'll be in Newtown Square, Pennsylvania, Rockland, Maryland, and Asheville, North Carolina. So check them out there. The March 7th uh, concert, Burlap and Bean Live, uh, are now available. So they're going to be doing that on March 7th. They're playing a ton, which is very, very cool. And then, of course, the big gig on March 11th uh, for WFUV, uh, which is going to be very, very cool. So check them out. They are uh, No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. Again, an evening uh, with four fantastic folk artists. And uh, you can check them out at facebook.com backslash No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. And they also have a fantastic Twitter video, or Twitter video, uh, YouTube video. And they just posted something from their Connecticut show from last month. 
a video recap of their show in New Haven, Connecticut last month. So they're playing a lot. We thank them for sponsoring the show for tonight. Please, please, please go check them out. Uh, no Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. So thanks to Jay Mafale. Jay Mafale. We want to get him to... Uh... And if I know you, it kills me that we have to pay Tom Hanks every time you play that song? Yeah, because he needs it. Because he's rich. These are the J. Mafale theme songs. <laughs> you like it a trip? You take it a cash. The cash is a nice. The trip is a nice. Babu, babu, babi, babu. She take it a trip. She like it a cash. Listen, Cal. You gonna take it a trip? Or you gonna take it a cash? Now, the cash is a nice, but the trip is a nice. That, of course, is uh, Jay Mafale's theme music and also me doing the little old Italian man who, at the feast that I grew up with on August the 5th in Brooklyn, New York, would lead the raffle. He would be up at the hall. Oh, is that who that is? Yes. I never knew who that was. Yeah. We were, uh, August the 5th is an Italian holiday for the people that are from the same town as me, uh, Sanza, Italy, and August the 5th is their holy day, and we would be at the hall. I've been going there since I'm a little guy, and they have the statue and everything. It's very straight, very, out, of, straight out of Godfather too, without a doubt. Very Italian. Yeah. And uh, they have a raffle, and all the people are gathered up in the hall, and this, was, this would be probably about 1997. So it was the first time I bought. I brought the guys there, like Terry and yeah. some of my buddies from college who had moved to Brooklyn. And so I've been seeing this guy for years. Like, we never thought anything of it. This little old Italian man gets up there, and he's doing the raffle. And the prizes are cash. You can take cash, or you can take a trip. I think it was to, like, the Poconos, like beautiful Mount Airy Lodge, something like that. Okay. Okay. Sing the theme song. Everybody must sing the theme song. Sing it. Come on. Oh. Beautiful Mount Airy Lodge. And resort. In the Poconos. So that's the trip. So he gets up there. He does the drawing. And he's setting it up like Monty Hall. Like he's, he's <laughs> unbelievable. But it's in this great broken English. And he's, he's got the microphone. And he's just... Now Listen. You got a choice. You wanted the the trip? The trip is a nice. But the cash. The cash is a nice. <laughs> so, okay, we're going to draw. What is she going to take? She's going to take the trip? And then this woman wins. Like, they do the drawing, and this woman stands up, and she's got the ticket, and he turns into completely, like, game show mode. What is she going to take? She's going to take the trip? Now the trip is a nice, but the cash is a nice. And she goes, she goes, I'll take the cash. She goes, she's going to take the cash. Everybody started dancing. We lost, and... we lost it. Yeah. We absolutely lost it. That's great. Yeah. So that's where that comes from. Anyway. That's good. I always wondered who that was. Yeah. No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. Okay. Uh, we're 27 minutes in. Probably as good a time as any. To start talking about sports. But see, that's why I dropped the sports tease in the open. You did. 
You dropped it like it was hot. Everybody may notice as well that we are sans uh, bishop, uh, our third wheel in tonight. He is actually working uh, at the IMG. He cannot be with us, but he sends his regards, and he did a, uh, a quick instant impression for me tonight. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he gave me a little uh, spinal tap. Nice. He gave me a little, uh, hey, hey, Steve, do a good show, all right, mate? <laughs> yeah, all right. I thought maybe um, you recorded something. No, 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 no. He doesn't. You mean the, the sound good. guy couldn't have just recorded five <laughs> seconds of that? It's time for the big unload, Cal. And oh, doctor, do we have a big unload tonight? Uh, we're we're going to talk about the, uh, about the Mets. We're going to talk about the Yankees in a bit too, because I do have a question for you uh, that I want to bring up. But the big unload, the big topic today in New York was Sandy Alderson, general manager of the New York Mets, in a Private meeting. Very important. With his top baseball people, uh, baseball personnel, and his, you know, the head office and the head honchos and uh, the brain trust, okay? The Ivy Leaguers. Said that he uh, expects that the, this is what it was relayed as. The Mets can be a 90-win team and maybe even should be a 90-win team. Maybe should. I think I think we can win 90 games. I think we can win 90 games. And maybe we should win 90 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, to which Fred Wilpon replied, well, you better. You better win 90 games. Was it you better or we better? We, I don't know. I don't know. Either way, it's, it's not great. No. The, the, so this, of course, sets off... A series of events, Cal, that can only be described as metaclysmic. Just Met fans, and we we've been leading up to this doing this show tonight anyway. Met fans are. I can't think of a fan base that is more ready, and willing, and able, and more quickly goes to LOLing their own team than the Met fan base. I don't know if it exists in professional sports. Every aspect of this story and this idea by 4 o'clock was destroyed anyway. Met fans saying, how dare he? Um, How can he make a proclamation like that when this team is so bad? He's clueless. He's tone deaf. Then... For Fred Wilpon to say, we better, well, you didn't spend any money, $87 million payroll, you have five different holes. And then, of course, the best part of this story, Cal, is that by 4 o'clock, he didn't say this privately in a meeting with his baseball personnel. He didn't say, I think we can win 90 games. He apparently, it became as if he called a press conference for every major media outlet in the greater New York and Florida area to declare that the New York Mets were winning 90 games. It was a prediction. By 4 o'clock, it was a prediction. A prediction, a proclamation. A guarantee. Whatever you want to call it, it was called. That's right. So this is how this unfolded during the day. And you and I somehow, A, saw this coming. Like once the story broke this morning, we were texting to each other like, wow, just wait. This is exactly what John Harper of the New York Post wants. 
this is exactly what the, uh, or Daily News, John Harper. He's the Daily News. Yes. That's that's an important piece of the story that we're going to get to. Right. But just wait to see how that their agenda blows up on this. And then wait to see the Met fan take this and completely go nuts, go absolutely crazy. Only the Mets. Our reaction was more measured. I mean, you made fun of me. Oh, only a little. Initially, no, you, you, because we have been at alternate ends of this argument about the Mets this offseason. Right. So I'm cutting Sandy Alderson a lot of slack, and you're not. I'm not. Okay. So I, I admittedly, my first reaction was to roll my eyes. Right. Like, my- oh, here we go again. And I read the article, and I thought, well, A, it was leaked. Now, of course, Mike Francesa told us later in the day, at least 15 times, that the Mets leaked it on purpose. He's sure of it. Right. Well, sure, sure. They did it. They leaked it on purpose to drum up ticket sales and interest in the team. Okay. The only reason I started to buy into that a little bit is because it was an exclusive story to one guy, right? Mm-hmm. The one guy that it was an exclusive story to was John Harper of the Daily News. And of the newspapers in this town, the Daily News has always been the more favorable to the Mets, right? So I don't, now, I don't think that that's what happened. Let me go, let me just, let me just, clear the air okay before you 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 attack me i would never do that verbally i don't think that that's what happened but i could see why you might think that that's what happened personally i think it was a meeting behind closed doors sandy alderson said this to put some accountability on his team. Accountability that, quite frankly, has not been there for the last five years. I think he's trying to motivate them. I think he's trying to show that he supports his team. I think it was a leak on purpose, but I do think that there was a person in that room that has a relationship with John Harper, that it was also the same guy that was talking about Ruben Tejada last week when they said there was a comment, a source, to source. Now we got a Met source. Well, I think there's a Met source that's got loose lips right now. I think that's what's going on. I'd love to hear what you think about that. I feel like John Harper said in his article, what, what John Harper said in the article made me think that they didn't leak it on purpose. And that was that line, that get out of jail free line, yeah, he said it in a private meeting, but he had to know it was going to get out. And that, and that to me tells me John Harper has a source who's spilling this to him. Who's, who's you know, whatever he's getting a steak dinner out of it or whatever, is John Harper's source. Uh, source. Is it possible that, that Sandy Alderson knows who the source is and he's using... Absolutely possible. Right? I think if it was... I think... I don't think it was purposefully leaked. Exactly. No, I agree. I think Sandy Alderson said it in a meeting with people he knew could leak it. 
ha- has a relationship with the Daily News. And he didn't. Now, if you tell me or ask me, did he care that it got leaked? And that John Harper had the story? I think absolutely not. This is a guy who's really, really smart. Very, very intelligent with the media. He doesn't do a lot of things that aren't on purpose. So if you're, if you're proposing that, he said it in this meeting, albeit a private one, but he knew it was going to get leaked, or there was a chance it would, and he didn't care, that I'll buy. And I liked what Ron Darling had to say later this afternoon, who, by the way, Mike Francesa knows way more about the Mets than Ron Darling does. He said that. He actually asserted that he knows more about the Mets. He's been around them longer. Right. Well, a caller said, you know, I agree with Ron Darling, what he said. And wouldn't, wouldn't he know better because he's around the team every day? Well, I've been around the Mets longer than Ron Darling, so. Right. That was his quote. Other than Ron Darling being traded, met. Yeah, traded to the organization in 1983, or 82 right. maybe even. Right. And uh, for everything but about like five years in there, when he was with the A's and then when he was right. with a broadcaster with the Nats, hey, he's been with the Mets. He's been a member of the he's organization. Been the, that's right. He's been a member. That's right. He's been an actual member of the uh, – he's been paid by the organization. Drawing a paycheck from the Metropolitans. Right. He hasn't been in the same town as them. But what I what I I liked what he said. In that, so uh, Francesa had him on and basically said, you know, obviously it was purposefully leaked, blah blah blah, to drum up interest. And Ron Darling was like, well, basically said, well, no, I think if it was purposely leaked, it was to motivate his team, right, and motivate Terry Collins, and let people know that he knows the honeymoon is over. See, this is what killed me. There was an entire article by Raceman the other day in the Daily News about how the honeymoon's over for Sandy Alderson. Yes. They need results this year. Basically, him saying this about the 90 wins was acknowledging that he needs results this year. Do you think it was a little unfair to Terry Collins or no? No, absolutely not. Really? Nope. Not one bit. Not one bit. Terry Collins is lucky to be here. He you is. Like her. That's right, I forgot. It's okay. not even that I don't like him. It's that he's been here for three years. This is his fourth year. And the excuses about the roster he has to work with and et cetera, et cetera, only go so far when you're that bad at managing your bullpen, when you're that bad at managing the talent that you do have, when you're not a good in-game manager. And when you, you know, call, things like calling out Zach Wheeler four times because you think it's going to motivate him is stupid. To me. Well, that's how they do it in the old days. Yeah. And his reliance, you talk about it all the time. The, the idea that a veteran gets a first shot at a job, especially in the rotation, and you've got to bring young kids along this, this particular way. And I, It's not that I dislike Terry Collins so much. It's just that, good, there's some pressure on him. This is not an appointment for life. We're not rebuilding forever here. You need to win some games. You need to expect... Now, Francesa made one good point today. Maybe... Let me, let me unpackage that later. Let's stay with the comments. But remind me to talk about Noah Sundergaard. <laughs> See what I did? Sundergaard. No, Noah Sundergaard. Remind me to talk about him later. Yeah, okay. But here's the, here's the other thing. With Met fans and with this comment... 
from Sandy Alderson. You want the honeymoon to be over? He's saying he knows the honeymoon's over. And Fred Wilpon says, yeah, well, we better. We better win 90 games. The honeymoon's over. I hate, my feelings on the Wilpons are well known. Not a fan. That's, That's too mild. They disgust you. That's correct. I have to go planes, trains, and automobiles on it. (laughs) When he's talking about his wife. It's not a big enough word. It's not big enough. (laughs) Love is not a big enough word for how I feel about my wife. Disgust is not a big enough word for how I feel about the Wilpons. But Fred Wilpon saying the honeymoon's over. The honeymoon is over. He's not saying meaningful games in September. Sandy Alderson said 90. He said, we better. Let's do this. Enough. Spent $8. <laughs> so, would the comments themselves, do you buy the Ron Darling? You, you know, I, I never got your take on the Ron Darling approach. Do you, buy, um, do, you, do you buy that? Do you, do you buy that? So let's, let's, go with, let's go under the guise that Terry Collins said it in a private meeting with his baseball personnel and the top guys or whatever, knowing full well that there's a guy in there who is on John Harper's payroll, so it might get leaked, and he didn't care. So we're going with the basically purposefully said it, or at least just didn't care about it getting leaked. Do you buy Ron Darling's assessment that it's putting his team on notice it's try- there to motivate the team, but also that he has their back. That's what I think. Because they talked to some of the players, and they said that the players didn't really have much comment on what was said. It didn't seem to affect them, nope. but they did appreciate the support. So that's good. Yep. You know, I, I, think, I think there are better, more significant ways to hold players accountable like what like taking these six weeks in spring training and making them making those spots open nobody's got a spot in the lineup nobody i don't care who you are you're a veteran you're a rookie you're an incumbent whatever you are the best player who performs over the next six weeks should be the guy that starts on opening day. And that's a way to hold a guy like Ike Davis and a guy like Lucas Duda, a guy like Ruben Tejada, hold them accountable. Guys like Eric Young fighting for a spot. Hold them accountable. Dice K, John Lannan, whoever, Mejia. How have, how have they not? I, I, don't, I don't trust that they are fair competitions. I think they're being sold to us as competitions. Not 100% sure I buy it. So you don't think that shortstop is a competition? I don't know. I, I, I'm, maybe within the next couple of weeks I'll change my mind. Right now, I, I don't think so. You don't think Wilmer Flores is going to get a fair shot to win that job? I don't, I don't think he has a... Let me, legit... let me put it to you a different way. You don't think they desperately want... Wilmer Flores to win that job. Yeah, I think they do. So why wouldn't he get a shot to win it? I don't know. 
Ike Davis and Lucas Duda at first base. Is that not an open competition? Yeah, well, that's an, that's that is that is definitely an open competition, for sure. I think you have three guys, four guys that have spots. I think you have four. I think David Wright, Daniel Murphy, Travis Darno, and Curtis Granderson. I think you have four guys that have definite spots. In the lineup, yeah. Yeah. I think every other guy is going to have to earn his spot. I think Chris Young has a spot. I don't think he does. Not every day. I think he does. I think he's in the mix. I don't think he has an everyday spot. I think they'd like him to have an everyday spot. But I think if he hits 125 this spring and Eric Young hits 330 and Juan Ligaris hits 330, I think those Eric, guys are going to play every day. Well, that's, there you go. I think Eric Young has a spot. I think Chris Young has a spot. I think Ligaris does not have a spot. I don't think I agree with you, Cal. I think if Juan Ligaris hits well enough in spring training and shows that he's matured, and, and don't forget, this is an elite center fielder, an elite center fielder. Yeah, well, so is Chris Young. No, this is, but Ligaris is a difference-making center fielder. If he's hitting enough, and he hits enough this spring, he'll play. He'll play. See, I think the comments that Sandy Alderson has made about Juan Ligaris this offseason are much different than comments I've heard him make in the past about players. How so? He's said he's been impressed with how much better he got with pit, pitch recognition, getting himself into good counts, you know, uh, being a better two-strike hitter, being a better deep-in-the-count hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sandy Alderson basically said, Cal, that if he, if he hits enough, he'll play because his defense is that good. That's Sandy Alderson. But, Sand, but, but he, he's, he's going to have enough of an influence on Terry Collins. I, I, I think if Juan Ligaris hits 330 this spring... And Chris Young hits 125, he's got to play Juan Ligaris. Because you know what, Cal? That's the other thing this 90-win thing did. It puts Terry Collins on notice. This isn't a developmental squad anymore. Play right. the best no, players. Right. Now, this is a good time for my Noah Syndergaard. It's not an impression. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody's got an impression of him yet. Not yet. Although he's uh, he's fairly he makes quite an impression when he throws the baseball. Sure does. Gee whiz, Cal! I loved your comment today. It's like first two batters, like ninety-eight, ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Hey, but take it easy. We please. <laughs> could you could you just? Yeah, we get it, Noah. You're very good. Um, but if I'm Terry Collins now, I say in my sort of crotchety old man voice, but like I, with a lot of spunk, I say, okay, 90 wins. You're going to give me Noah Syndergaard at the top of the season. That's my fifth starter. You want me to win 90 games, you, you can't make me wait until June to have Noah Syndergaard there. You've got to give me Rafael Montero in the bullpen. I don't see. I don't buy all of that at all. No, but I'm, but I'm, I'm saying... Sandy, why doesn't Sandy Alderson do that now? He's got to win. He might, but I, I think you've got it all wrong with Terry Collins. I, don't, I think he feels his best chance at winning is going with the veterans. And then he's going to get fired. Because. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. All right, that's it. Good night, everybody. That's a wrap on this one.
It's just that simple, I guess. Do you really think if they get through spring training and Syndergaard is like 3-0 and with like 22 strikeouts in 24 innings? He's going to Las Vegas. And, and John Lannon has a 7 ERA. What's Dice K doing? And Dice K's got a 6-5 ERA, and it's taking him a month and a half to pitch an inning. Do you really think Terry Collins is going to be like, oh, yeah, no, send him down. It's fine. I'll get by. I'll get by with John Lennon. He's going I, – I think there is less than a 2% chance that Syndergaard starts the, the year in the rotation. How about less than 2% milk? Full skim? Full <laughs> Less than 2%. Yeah. I, th- I think there's virtually no shot wow. for a number of reasons. Number one, Terry Collins doesn't like kids. Number two. Wait, 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 wait. Go back. <laughs> Maybe he's got grandchildren. You don't know that. That's a very bold. Uh, what, he doesn't, he, doesn't okay. give out, he doesn't give out candy. Nobody grows to Grandpa Terry's house. It's a crotchety old man. It's, he does not like kids. Meh. <laughs> He's like, like you're meddling kid ripping on the bat boy. Right. <laughs> get, that, get that kid out of here. I don't like children. This is a place for adults. <laughs> Grown up. This is not romper room. <laughs> it's a locker room. Those kids out of here. I don't know who I'm making him. Yeah, I don't know. That, but I don't, I don't he think, doesn't like kids. I don't think he likes the young player. Or young ball players. <laughs> Or boys, or young boys, or young. <laughs> That's, that that we really should just keep walking. Kids, young ball players, yes. doesn't like them, doesn't right. respect them. Right. Gotta earn your dues. Gotta 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 pay your dues. <laughs> earn your stripes. <laughs> gotta earn your dues. <laughs> gotta earn your dues. I don't, how do you, I don't know if that's well, possible. But I think that that's the problem. These kids are like, I don't know how to do that. I don't even know how to earn my dues. Ah, just do it. Just earn them. But do we still pay dues? You gotta earn them. You gotta earn your stripes. Earn your dues. Pay your stripes. Earn your dues, then pay your dues. After you earn them, pay them. Then pay your stripes. Then pay your stripes. Then pay it forward. <laughs> then Kevin Spacey shows up. <laughs> what, is, what is he doing here? He does. <laughs> uh, can you can you get him to come here? I can't. No. That's the most common question. Do you know Kevin Spacey? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he definitely comes down to the set immediately to talk to the guy who has 10, 12 lines. In a, in a scene he's not in. He probably wasn't anywhere near. He wasn't even in Baltimore. The no. <laughs> not even there. Which is funny because he closes the door and there you are. And there I am. How does that happen? I don't know. Magic of television. Is, Actually, it's, it's the magic of the internet. It's not even television. It's not even television. So Terry Collins doesn't like the young ball player. That's number one. Number two, they have, they have set the precedent quite clearly with Matt Harvey and Zach Wheeler that the prized pitching prospect and his alliteration don't come up <laughs> until the middle of June. Until after the Super 2. Now, I will say one thing about that. The precedent. I hate it. Of course, everybody hates it. Four years ago, I was on this very radio program. It was a radio program then. It wasn't even a podcast yet. It was an old-time radio program. It was an old-time... Let me sit down. And say what I'm going to say. Newsflash. Um, that was supposed to be a door slamming. I don't know what happened there. Hold on. 
Bingo wheel. <laughs> um, I have all these children's toys. Because, <laughs> you know, getting two, child, two young children, uh, your wife and your mother-in-law, my mother-in-law was here as well, off to the airport at 6.40 in the morning when it's snowing, mm, not a great look. That must have been fun. And then you worked. <laughs> right. I dropped them off, uh, wept a little, and then, and then uh, was in an hour and five minutes of traffic just to get back to Bayside from JFK. Great job, everybody. <laughs> it's, this is a drive that should take 22, 24 minutes. Right. Hour and, about an hour and 10 to it get back. Triple that. That's correct. To get back to run to work. And that was a good day. And there's stuff everywhere in this house. Everywhere. Just <laughs> children's toys. It, like, it looks like we were literally forced out in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> like we look like the, the Baltimore cults. Like Somebody knocked on the door. That's how I, I envisioned the Baltimore cult locker room looked like <laughs> when they went to Indianapolis. That's what my house looks like. I have to like. leave. Yeah. That's what my house looks like right now. So anyway... <laughs> I will say this, the buying of service time, with this the third of what is hopefully health-wise and otherwise a pretty remarkable triumvirate of starting pitchers, so they all don't come up for free agency at the same time, uh, I can kind of get on board with. All right. Kind of get on board with. Okay, that's fair. It, well, I mean, if you had Wheeler, Harvey, or even two of the three becoming free agents in the same year, and they all turn out good, it's a lot of cheddar. I mean, it's going to be a pro- it's. Let's hope we have that problem. Absolutely. No, no, no. I, in, absolutely. In four years. Right, because Harvey will be a free agent four years from now. Four years, right? Wheeler is five, and right. if they if they do this with Syndergaard, it will be six. Yes. Years from now. So you would basically have one every year. So so you could get the three of them, if they stay healthy, in the rotation for the next three years. Before you had to make a move. Before you had to start, yeah. But you would extend them. If they all turn out to be good, you extend them before right. that. Right. So you would buy out a couple right. of years of their free agency. That's right. So in 2016, you approach Harvey and you say, here's seven years at 120, whatever it is, 104. Or, or, or you don't even wait till 16. You wait till 15. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, no, I want to see him come back first. Oh, okay. I got it. He's got three years left before you have to deal with him. Right. So two years from now. I would extend him by that last year of free agency, tack it onto the contract, and say, here's five at 120 oh, or whatever. Yeah. No, whatever. Whatever the number is. I, well, I, don't, you... I don't know what the number is going to be, Bri, but the idea is to buy years, right? So anyway, of course, I'm going to go absolutely ape stuff when they send him down after he has a ridiculous spring training. And my point will be, do you want to win now? Do you want to win the 90 games? Aren't the games in April just as important as the games in September? If he has a lights-out spring training, I want to see him pitch in the rotation. You know what my hope is? Here's my hope. 
he and Montero have lights out spring trainings. And they can put Montero, Montero in the rotation and send Syndergaard down. That's my hope. And I think that's their hope. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. Or, or, or DeGrom. Like one of the kids just has a lights out spring training. How about Mejia? Or Mejia. Absolutely. Who was uh, familiar was throwing, what, 98 today? Yeah. Man, they have a lot of young arms. Um, I want to go back to, to this idea that Mets fans, I said something today and it seemed to resonate with uh, uh, John Presser and a couple of other Met bloggers who uh, remain sane. Because the Met blogger right now is, is bad. Mets bloggers are, we said this, and I really want to bring this up. And it was never more, to me, present than it was today with the John Neese shoulder thing, the face of Major League Baseball that the MLB is running and the Mets are running the campaign for David Wright. To, and people are just up. And I mean, you would think. So up in arms about the tweets and the thing and the campaign. Really? Really? Is this, mm-hmm. the, is this the worst thing that's going on? And then 90 Wingate, that... David Wingate? David Wingate. Backup point guard. What's he doing here? That Met bloggers, and there's a lot of them, um, have forgotten that they're fans. They've, yeah, for, you, they've forgotten how to be fans. You nailed that. It's perfect. They have forgotten how to be fans. You're right. They are not... As much as I, there's great stuff going on and, and they're doing great work and blah, 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 and it's wonderful to see things from the aspect of the fan, and some of the writing is really good, you are not a beat reporter. You are reacting to these stories like a beat reporter. You know, the guys four years ago you used to make fun of. Right. But the reason why they do that, and they get away with doing that, because they will tell you... But I'm a fan. I'm not a writer affiliated with the team. I'm a fan, so I'm entitled to write my opinion. Well, they're, they're trying to have it both ways, though. Because exactly. Because when you call them a blogger or you say, well, you're just a blogger, they say, well, I got media credentials or I've gone to this or I've done that or whatever. Right. Like, then their credentials come into it. When you say that they're not a fan anymore, that they're actually a part of the media, they get all insulted. Of course I'm a fan. Right. I'm giving the fans perspective. I just do it because I love the team. I'm not so sure anymore. No. I think I think you love your blog and covering the team. I think your blog has become bigger than your fandom. The old you'd rather be right about something negative than for something positive to happen with the team. Rather be right and lose than be wrong and win. Right. That's it. Well, they will, they will tell you that's ridiculous. Yeah, well... But when you read them, and I, my, my favorite phrase ever, perception is reality. My perception of you, the Met blogger, which becomes my reality, is that you would rather lose than win. You, lose and be right than re- win and be wrong. Right, they've forgotten how to be a fan. There's no fun. They have no fun anymore. There's no fun the in team, being a fan. The team is trying to get David Wright to win the face of the MLB thing. It's 
like a cool thing. Who cares? It, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. And last year, somehow Cincinnati Red fans got Joey Votto to, to win it or whatever. Other fan bases embrace this. Embrace it. Why? Because you're getting tweets and emails. You can't handle the tweets. Well, look in at your the, timeline. You can't. You can't handle six tweets in your timeline. Look at who he's up against for the face of the MLB. Yeah. He's up against Eric Sogard Eric from so- the Oakland Athletics. Because of his picture. Right. Because but, he looks really geeky in his picture, which I think is hilarious. It's great, but it's also because the fans in Oakland <laughs> exactly. love it. They're getting exactly. a kick out of it. They're all rallying around it. That's right. And they're having fun with it. And what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? There's, Brian, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I don't get it. Why does everything that the New York Mets do have to be bad. How, I can't listen to the callers on WFAN. I can't have a conversation with, I would say, 50% of the Mets fans that I know in my office. I mean, there's, there's like eight. Four of, them, four of them I can't even have a conversation with. Yeah. I, I would say the ratio is higher for me. I had one come okay. to me today and say, can you believe Sandy said this? I mean, if he had signed Nelson Cruz and Stephen Drew, I could see it. Is that right? Stephen Drew and Nelson Cruz equals 16 wins? Really? You'd, you'd be fine with that. Stephen Drew. Stephen Drew. Who's better than Tata? Uh, okay. 16 wins better? <laughs> Nelson Cruz. Well, I mean, he's better than Chris Young. Okay. He's a butcher in the outfield. Yeah, would he have made their lineup a little better? Potentially? Sure. Sure. 16 wins better? That you would have felt great about. I mean, come on, just be realistic. Well, the, well, well there's, no more, there's no shot at being realistic or objective anymore. The Mets fan has, has lost zero ability to do that. They can't do it. I actually felt, and I saw some of it. I made a joke about it, Brian, but I saw some of it, and I know you did too, that when John Neese's MRI came back clean, I think Met fans were actually disappointed. Because they expect, some Met fans expected him to be out for the season. Yeah. And, it, and it didn't, and the fact that his MRI came back clean and he's going back down there and he has like a tired clavicle or whatever does not fit their narrative. It does not fit the LOL Mets, you know, only the Mets narrative. Right. That I think some Mets fans' initial reaction was like, oh, well, we'll see. No, it's a clean MRI. He doesn't have, doesn't need Tommy John surgery. I'm sorry, he doesn't. He just doesn't. There's nothing to see at this point. It's, it's it. We could give it to him just because he's a Met. You know, like, they were actually disappointed. Do you remember... Before the Red Sox won their first championship in 2004, and they had however many years of losing, you know, they didn't win a World Series, perennially, you know, didn't win. And it was almost like the Red Sox fan identity had to do with the fact that they always lost. And you wondered what was that identity going to be like if they ever won, right? Yeah, that's that's how that's how that's I think the Red Sox fans loved the fact that that was their identity. 
The the Met fan, I saw this somewhere about a Jet fan, about Jet fans, and I sadly agree with it. And I think it applies to Met fans too. They're bipolar. They really are. They really are just... Their highs are unbelievably high, and their lows, which are most of the time, are unbelievably low. And they want the honeymoon to be over for Sandy Alderson. How dare the honeymoon be over for Sandy Alderson? Right. They want you know, to develop a farm system and rebuild. They want to spend $175 million every offseason. They're just – bipolar is probably the wrong word, although – it, they don't know what they want. It fits. They just – nothing that the organization does. You know, there's a great old book by Jimmy Breslin called The Gang Who Couldn't Shoot Straight. And it's, it's – I haven't read it in years. I'm talking like literally 15 or 18 years I read it uh, ago. I, I should reread it. It was a great book. It was just about this, this like low-level mob who couldn't do anything right. Mm-hmm. That is what the Met fan feels about their team. They're the gang who can't shoot straight. They cannot do anything. Everything they do will be botched in some way, shape, or form. Now, to be fair, the Mets don't do a lot of things right. I would like you to amend that statement. A lot of the things the Mets do does not turn out to be right. I would even say it as the Mets get a lot more wrong than they get right. Yes. But they do get some things right. Yes. And there are some very enjoyable aspects of Mets baseball. Everything is not, everything doesn't have to be awful just because they did it. Perfect example. Their ballpark. What? Uh, yes, totally. Their farm system right now. Their farm system. I mean, he's rebuilt the farm system. He said he would, and he did. Their their broadcasters. <laughs> very very good. They have great uniforms. There's a lot of things. They they shy, They kept their franchise third baseman. Who when is, they could they could have very easily let him go. Who is one of the very best guys in the sport. Who, when you look at the contracts that were given out this offseason, yep. when you look at Robinson Cano... He could have got more. Robinson Cano got 10 years, $240 million. And if you line up... If you took... In fact, my brother-in-law actually did this social experiment with somebody. Okay. He took Robinson Cano's numbers, and he took David Wright's numbers, put them on a spreadsheet removed the names, gave them to somebody, and said, can you tell which one is Robinson Cano and which one is David Wright? Just career numbers, obviously. Career, career numbers. Aggregate career numbers. Career numbers, age, because they're roughly the same age. Roughly the same age, yeah. The, the, and a good baseball fan he tried this with. Yeah. Could not, could not tell him. He, he wound up guessing and guessed wrong. But yeah, the, you, the only way you would be able to make that distinction, Cal, is if you had the year by year, because right. Cano has had a much better last three years than Wright. That's right. No, these were, these were career numbers over the last yeah. whatever it was, eight, nine years, whatever it was. 
but the whole point is he got he got ten years, two hundred and forty million dollars. You don't think David Wright would have broken two hundred million dollars? No, but so, he would, but he would have got fifty million more than he got. He would have got one hundred and seventy five or one hundred and eighty, definitely. Well, he got he got one. He got no, he got one thirty eight. You know, one thirty eight, right? Seven years, one thirty eight. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, but point is, he would have got he would have got fifty million dollars more. Definitely. Point is, he left he left a lot of money on the table to stay loyal to a team that everybody thinks does everything wrong. And he's your favorite player. He's your best player. He's the flagship of the team, and he chose to stay. And left a lot of money on the table. Yep. So to your point. They do a lot of things wrong, but they do a bunch of things right. And nobody can admit when they do things right. Yep. No, and well, nobody wants to. That's no fun. It's, it's, gotten out of, it's gotten out of hand. It really has. And we haven't even started the season yet. It's not even March. <laughs> We're going to get a foot of snow on Monday. <laughs> and it's already like this. Uh, that's it. There's no point in playing the season. Nope. This season, this season has literally been declared dead four days ago. Mike Francesa said it was over. Which is funny because then a Yankee fan called yesterday. I don't know if you heard this. And, we, you know, he says, we got a lot of question marks in the infield. What do you mean, question marks? Well, you don't know what you're going to get out of Teixeira. You don't know you're going to – second base is, is not good and – uh, third base is Kelly Johnson. That's not good. And Derek Jeter's 40 years old. What, what, what do you want to do? Cancel the season? Which I thought was great when right. him saying that. We could cancel the Mets season, though, right? Yeah, let's cancel the Mets season. The the best was his head exploding and him literally saying it was one of the stupidest calls he's ever received, which is saying something when that guy called up and tried to compare the Mets and the Yankees. Or the outfield, the Mets outfield. And the Yankees. He was trying to do the whole team. He, he never he never got past the outfield, <laughs> and he was told what he is proposing is the stupidest thing he's ever heard. Right, it's good stuff. I mean that's the, that's the we're laughing about it, Brian, but that's the tenor right now. It's yeah, it's a it's it's not good. Well, I for one, in closing, about this about ninety gate, am glad he said it. And I, for one, like it. There's accountability. There's motivation. Who cares if it's realistic or not? I mean, somebody, there was a, there was a, I think it was on Amazing Avenue or it might have been SB Nation or whatever. Or S, Amazing Avenue is on SB Nation, right? Yes. So the article was like, what, is it, what will it take to, for the Mets to get to 90 wins? I'm like, is that really possible or whatever? And, of course, it's possible. It wouldn't take one of the all-time great miracles in the sport, as Mike Francesa said today. In the sport, Cal, in the history of the sport, that's how bad this team is. No, the 62 Mets winning 90 games would well, have been was, the, one of the great miracles in the history of the sport. That was, was that last year? No, that was two years ago when Michael Kay said that the Mets would be historically bad. Yes. Two years ago, he said they would go, uh, they would lose 120 games. Right. They would be historically bad. That was the year they let Jose Reyes go. Right. So, 
Amazing Avenue was talking about how with Pakoda, which is the um, <laughs> former Mets second baseman, yeah, number thirty-two, but also um, the over/unders and the you know the projected wins for teams that's done you know by an unbiased, as Francesca said, an unbiased objective right. ratio has them at seventy-three and a half. What they don't mention is Pakoda only has one team in the National League winning ninety games. And has the Nationals winning 88 and winning the NL East. Right? So uh, they were saying, take Pakoda and add four or five wins to every team, mm-hmm. realistically. It's the low end. So if you add four or five wins to the Mets, suddenly you're at 78 or 79. And then you say, where do those other 11, you know, 12, 11 or 12 wins come from? And then they went through the pitching staff and stuff like that. It's not impossible by any means. It certainly doesn't turn Sandy Alderson into Rex Ryan. And so what? So he, so he said this. Good. Accountability. The honeymoon's over. Stop expecting to be rebuilding and expect to win. And you know what, Brian? I've said this to you upteen times in the last two or three years. What are the numbers? How many games has the bullpen blown? Yeah, a lot. 39 games. That's 13 games a season in the last three years. Or no, it was more than that. No, it's something like it's it's something like 69 or something ridiculous over the last three years. I that's that's it. What's three times 27? Uh, 81. 81. I think it was something like 81. 81 leads the bullpen has let slip over the last three years. Now, they've won some of those games ultimately, but... But not many. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, 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 so that's 27 a season. I said if you win 10 of those games... Right. They're a 500 team. A little bit better than 500. Yeah. Well, two years ago, they're an 86-win team or 87-win team. Right. Last year, they're an 84-win team. The last two years, it's 84, yeah. Yeah. That's a huge difference. Let me ask you something. No. Okay. All right. Moving on. No, go ahead. I, I'm, I kid. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Before today, Sandy Alderson puts out the 90-win number. Before today, what would you have considered a successful season for the Mets coming from 74 wins last year. Give me a number where you would have said that, you know, that's a good season. 10 win improvement, 84 wins. That's right. Okay. Do you buy the fact that now that the 90 win number is out there, if they win 84 games, which is a great improvement over last year, but is six wins short of the number that's out there, that the season will be viewed as a disappointment. No. You don't buy that. No. I, no. I'm selling it. You're not buying it? No. Okay. It's, it's as if Sandy Alderson said, if we don't win 90 games, I'm going to burn this place down. I'm going to come into City Field with gasoline and burn it down. We are winning 90 games. It's a, but again... Or I am going to kidnap you and your families and go to Nicaragua. We are winning 90 games. Like, so what? He put a number out there. That's what they're shooting for. Yes, but again, with 
perception becoming reality, everybody's going to have that number in their mind. Nobody expects them to win 90 games. It was called comical 37 times today by Mike Francesa. Yeah. Met bloggers. Met bloggers who are supposed to be fans and optimistic on February 27th, a full month before the season starts. Met fans called it the most ridiculous thing they've ever heard and are embarrassed and tired of the quote-unquote baloney. They were, at, they were at least three tired of the balonies today. Baloney, they used baloney? That's right. <laughs> I say it to Wesley all the time, and I'm not, and now he like, he's into it. Like, uh, I say all the time, you're full of baloney. And so now I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, now it's become like a serious thing. <laughs> How did that become a thing? Full of baloney. That's right. You know how much baloney you have to eat to be full of baloney? <laughs> I want to see if you type that in. It does come up. Is there a reason? Does it? Is there an origin of the phrase "full of baloney"? It it comes up very quickly on uh, Google. What I'm, is it? I'm getting the derivation. I'd love to know. It's got to be back in olden times, right? It's, yes, olden times. You're time. full of baloney. Yes, olden times. Can you define olden times? The 60s. Where does, where, when one is full of baloney, balagna, it means the information they offer is nonsense, incredible, not trustworthy, or foolishness. Origin of baloney or baloney, balagna or baloney, is a corruption through the French of the city of Bologna, Italy. As the University of Bologna was known for its legal education, the French, and later English, came to call legal claptrap baloney or balagna. There you go. (laughs) Now, what the hell does claptrap mean? So it comes from the French. (laughs) Through the Italians. Through the Italians. That's right. Okay. Yep. Through the Italians, and it was for the use of legal claptrap. Claptrap's a great one. What is that? You don't know what claptrap is? I don't think I do. Here we go. Let's go. Do you? Do you? Okay. I do. But I don't feel confident enough to offer a definition. So that you got to look it up. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Absurd or nonsensical talker ideas. It's claptrap. Wordsmithing. <laughs> it sounds, sounds like something Herm Edwards would say. It's claptrap. Okay. That, 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 that offensive series? Claptrap. It was nonsensical and absurd. Claptrap. Yeah, I saw Chad Pennington drop back in that play. Claptrap. <laughs> he, tried to, he tried to hand him a... Herm, Herm taking a knee in the 2004 playoff game against, against the Steelers. Having Chad Pennington take a knee before making Doug Bryan losing three yards so Doug Bryan could try a 46-yard field goal instead of a 43-yard field goal. Which, which no kicker had ever made, ever. And in, in that three of Heinz field. That's right. Claptrap. Complete claptrap. It's absurd or nonsensical talk or ideas. It was an absurd and nonsensical idea. Claptrap. Uh, he got a leg. That game coming up this week? That's no claptrap. 
No, that's no claptrap. All right, let's move on from Mets 90 Wingate and just do a couple of things here. Okay, let's go. Around the horn. Let don't ever... No, don't... No, no, don't do that. I, I believe that's trademarked. Or copyrighted or something. Well, pardon the interruption. I'm sorry. Go on. No, look what you did. Leading <laughs> money tonight. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't have a producer here. We're just leaking legally, legal money all over the place. Take it all. It's crap chat. <laughs> Nonsense. Tries to hand the ball off to Curtis Martin. Fumbles the ball. Clap chat. It's full of baloney, too. He's full of <laughs> The official on that play, full of baloney. <laughs> um, I wanted to uh, to talk about the Michael Sam thing a little bit more, um, just in regard to the. I I just had this one. You know, of course, he went through the combine and the, uh, did you watch any of the combine, by the way? No, I didn't. Really? Yeah. Okay. Why? When was it? This past weekend? It was uh, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Saturday. It was, Ap- it was Apollonia from The Godfather. Yeah, no, I, I had a very busy weekend. All right, sir. No time to, to flip on the offensive lineman doing the cone drill? I, no, I don't, I don't think I could have squeezed that in. Uh, so I didn't I, see any, but did, how much did you watch? I watched a little. Not as much as I've watched in previous years. Did you see Jadavian Clowney? I did see uh, Clowney's run. Not live. Okay. Uh, but I saw... I, you know what I watched? I watched the one thing of import to me, the receivers. Oh, good. I watched the receivers run. I have my uh, list of five. There are literally five wide receivers that the Jets could take in this draft. I'd be fine. As long as they take one of them. I'm counting Eric Ebron in that uh, as well, the tight end. Okay. He's a pass catcher. Uh, very impressive wide receiver crop, Cal. Very, if, I mean, if the Jets don't get one of these guys, oh. well, they'll, they'll be held to pay. Well, but this is a good year. They've got plenty of picks. Oh, did you have a small dignified ceremony today as the Jets are uh, releasing Santonio San Holmes? No. Yeah. It wasn't dignified, I can tell you that. <laughs> Tone time. At an end for you, Cal. One of your favorites. It's over. Well, look. He did. He 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 served his purpose here. He was very good in 2011. Was it 2011? 2010. 11. 2010, 11. Yeah. Uh, he, his his act grew old very quickly, though, and I think it deteriorated rapidly from that point. And I think he was. He didn't help. That locker room. Let's put it that way. Okay. So, uh, goodbye. Bon voyage. Don't, uh, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. That's tough talk out of Brian Calvi, everybody. It's very, it's very easy to talk tough <laughs> behind my orange microphone right now. So, um, Michael Sam, you know, proved himself to be draft worthy. He didn't light the world on fire, but he he did a fine job. I think the most his most impressive part of his weekend was the way he handled the media and the way he handled the questioning. And really, everything seemed to die down quickly. Like there was just a huge 
swell. He did his interviews, and that was that. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that's what you're going to see with him. I think I, come I, draft time, I hope so. There's going to be a swell. He'll do his interviews, and then it'll die down. And then he'll go to training camp. There will be a swell. He'll do his interviews. He'll die. I think you're going to just that would that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if no. that's what had to happen. I that's my hope, right? Yeah. So the NFL is trying to legislate the N-word out of games. And this caused an uproar because how are you going to do it? And what if players are calling it to each other and guys say it as a term of endearment, blah, blah, and it brought up all these politically right. – th- these political correctness issues that most sports talk show hosts have no idea how to talk about <laughs> with any sort of comfort, right? which was fun to watch. Uh, but the, the argument that struck me, Bri – and it's really overall about the either whether it's Michael Sam or uh, the Richie Incognito Jonathan Martin thing and the toler and the bullying and the locker room and uh, and now the you know trying to le- legislate the N word out and I think basically what they're trying to do is say what happened with Richard Sherman for example and Michael Crabtree is what they want to legislate out when it's when when that word is used in that fashion which is clearly not a term of endearment right to men. Uh, they don't want that. I think it, I think a big part of it is because microphones are starting to pick it up. I oh, yeah. I, I think it's huge. Yeah. So we keep having these people saying all, all, over and over again, especially many of, or many of them ex-football players, that the locker room, though, is a different place. We don't get it because we're not in the locker room. And these you know, boys will be boys. These are men in the locker room, and and you're asking them to regulate what they say and how they behave in the locker room, and that's their inner sanctum. And I've never been in an NFL locker room. I played professional sport, or professional sports. I played sports at a very high level, never on a professional level. Uh, I was in a lot of baseball locker rooms. Etc. Etc. But I know a football locker room is a different animal. I understand that. And animal is a key word here. I have trouble with the idea that we should just allow grown men to be as bigoted, racist, homophobic as they like because they're in a locker room. They're in the safety of a locker room. And it's coming out more and more. Yeah, but now I'm going to have to watch what I say in the locker room. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. You can't be a racist, bigoted homophobe anymore in the locker room. Sorry. I know it stinks. Does that mean you can't tease your teammates, bust their chops? Of course not. Just try to do it without offending someone. Is that possible? Is it possible? You know, part of being a team is you know the guys that you play with. You know the guys on your team. You know their personalities. You know their buttons. You know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And most of the time when you're on a team, if something's not acceptable... Someone's going to let you know that's not acceptable. That's it. You can't say it. 
can get away, it's, it's acceptable, you can get away with, with saying whatever it is in the locker room that doesn't offend the other guys. Right? And, and it's, a, it's what they're asking, what Michael Sam maybe, or the idea of Michael Sam is asking guys, football players to do in a locker room is just, just think about it now for a second. Think about that thing you used to say all the time. Think about that derogatory term that you used to use all the time. Just, just take a second and think about it. Maybe that, maybe that one, maybe, maybe you get rid of that one. Okay, maybe you don't need that one. Maybe you don't need the F word, quote unquote. Yeah, but does that mean people are getting too sensitive or getting soft if we can't say this anymore? No. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. To me, no. I don't think it makes you soft to be sensitive to that until you know the person. Maybe Michael Sam doesn't have a problem with that word. Maybe he doesn't consider it derogatory in the same way that many African Americans, for some inexplicable reason, don't consider the N-word offensive. Right. But, again, that's not for us That's to not decide. for you to decide. You let the person who is that decide. Right. And, and it's, not, it's, it's not asking the locker room or the guys in the locker room to be any less tough on each other, on, you know, any less tough. It's just asking them to have a little sensitivity to the idea that something you've said for a long time that you didn't think was offensive might be offensive. No one's asking you to be comfortable with a homosexual player's lifestyle choice. If your choice is not to be comfortable with that or not agree with it, that's fine. If your choice is then to treat that person differently than anybody else because of that, that's where you get into trouble because now you're making a judgment, right? So you cannot like the fact that the guy changing next to you is gay. You cannot like that. Sure, that's your right. Absolutely. But he's a man. That's his choice. And respect him as a man. That's it. Just respect him as another human being. Right. You don't even have to respect his choice. <laughs> no. Well, you're not going to. No. He's another human being. He has a right to make that choice, just like you have a right to make yours. Exactly. So respect the right That's to it. make the choice. The other thing that came out a lot, right, and I wanted to get your opinion on this, was, or has been said a lot is, well, I don't need to know. Why does he need to tell everybody? I don't care what your sexual preference is. Yeah, you do. That's, but that's fine. You, you do. The minute you say that you don't care, you do. It doesn't make you a homophobe or a bigot or anything like that, but you care. You do. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's your, what's your feeling on that? I, like, I've heard that a ton. Well, why does he have to share it? Why does he have to come out? I, I, I mean, I know my personal answer to that question. I'm wondering what you think of that rationalization. Of why he has to come out? Yeah, why has he got to share it? I'm a, I'm a heterosexual. I don't go around announcing it. Well, he shared it with his team at Missouri, right? 
Yes. He shared it with his team. And they didn't leak it. No. Which is impressive. Very. It's not something that I think he could get away with every single time he wanted to share it with another team. Absolutely. So now he gets to the NFL and he wants to share this information about himself with his team. And whether they all accept him or not, chances are that information is going to get out to a public that's not ready for that information. Mm -hmm. So he controls the narrative. He controls the information by coming out himself. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. There's also, right, and there's also a bigger thing here to me that seems to be lost on people, and that is, why does he have to announce it and, and come out so he can live openly? There's nothing wrong with that. So he can, so he can live his life openly, so he doesn't have to pretend to have a girlfriend at the Combine. So he doesn't have to pretend to have a girlfriend while he's on the team. Why does he have to announce he's gay? Well, because he wants to live his life openly. That that's that's if you don't understand that, I, I don't I don't I don't get why you can't understand that. Look, heterosexuality is the norm. You don't have to you don't have to announce you're heterosexual. Everybody assumes you're heterosexual. But if you're a homosexual person and you're not out, you have to live a lie. You can't be true to yourself. You can't live true to yourself. And he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to put on a charade. And he's a public figure. The person at work that I work with that's gay, they don't have to stand up in front of everybody and say they're gay and make a big announcement. They can if they want. Obviously, but they they don't have to do that. But they're they're not in the public eye, right? So I that that whole rationale was like, look, he has to do it because he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to live a lie. He wants to live true to himself. So anyway, I think it's I think it's it's dying down, and I love that. You know, and Jason Collins played for the Nets last week and was the first. Uh, you know, openly gay player to be on an active roster in a professional sport. And uh, his jersey was the highest selling jersey in the NBA last week. And, um, you know, he actually contributed to a couple of wins or whatever. We we talked about, like, why Jason Collins hadn't been picked up. Looked like he could help. Right. You know, you wonder if there were nefarious forces at play there. Um, I think what you said earlier, Bri, is spot on. Like, I think it's going to be like hubbub, 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 and then it's just going to die down. And, but we're going to go through a couple of cycles of that, I think. Yes. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But I think you saw this weekend at the Combine something that's, that'll probably take place at the draft, and that's... Like, I think the draft is the last big one. I think once he gets drafted... Yeah, I think, I think training camp is going to be a big one. I don't think it'll be as big as the draft. Because the, dra- the draft is important, Bri. If he doesn't get drafted... Right. They're going to question... People are going to question whether it was because he was gay or because he was an undraftable player. We know he's a draftable player. Mm-hmm. So if so, th- that you know, once we get through the first round, maybe into the second, you're going to have a lot of Michael Sam watch. 
So I think the draft will actually be bigger than training camp, unless he gets drafted by the, by the Dolphins. In which case, all bets are off. The other thing it'll do is it will, uh, it will, it will really increase – well, it, it's going to bring more eyes to the draft anyway. Yeah. Now, the Thursday night is the first round. There's usually – everybody watches the first round. A lot of people will watch the Friday night second round. By the time you get to Saturday, it's really just the hardcore draft junkies that are watching it. Now, this year, if he's still on the board on Saturday... Yeah, it's going to be hot it's item. Hot big po- deal. Yep, it's going to be hot potatoes. It's going to be a hot, uh, hot tamales. Not a hot pocket, though. They've been recalled. Have they, have they really? Yeah, you didn't hear that story? How did I miss this? Was, was, was Jim Gaffigan somewhere weeping? What? Interestingly enough, he didn't comment on it, I don't think. Hmm. I didn't see that coming. Um, we should wrap. I feel good. Do you feel good? Yeah, let's wrap. I feel good. <laughs> Did you just do a little drum roll on your leg there? Oh, you heard it, right? Is that how good you feel? Yeah. <laughs> I feel good. That's it. I do a really good horse. I do a really good radio horse. You can? Let's hear it. Nice. That's a pretty solid radio horse, I feel like. Is that horse, is that horse running in the uh, ninth race at Aqueduct tomorrow? <laughs> it is. <laughs> and somewhere my Uncle Babe has put down a sawbuck on it. A 90 gate? A 90 gate. <laughs> That's the horse's name. 90 <laughs> gate's running in the... 90 gate. Oh, boy. Mr. Cow, final unload. Hey, we got some good news this week as Islander fans. There has been not much of that lately. But John Tavares, who was injured in Sochi in the Olympics, and we all held our collective breath to find out how badly he was hurt, turns out doesn't need surgery. About 12 weeks of rehab, and he will be as good as new. So we will see you, John Tavares, in September. And Steve, you have to be happy about that. Resisting the urge to be the very Met fan that I talked about before with the Islanders. That is great news. It's tremendous news. The sun shone down on us once. Sort of. Kind of, and it was nice. If the sun was shining down on us, he wouldn't have gotten hurt in the first place. Yeah, but the sun, there was a cloudy day, he got hurt, and then the sun came out. All right. And it was nice and warm. I, uh, my big unload is, or my final unload is, uh, we lost uh, a really important guy for us, for our youth, and for a lot of people's youth, and, and uh, in Harold Ramis this week. And uh, there's a just a wonderful list of movies that Howard Ramis was a part of, either writer, director, and or actor. And uh, I was very saddened by that loss and thankful that uh, Howard Ramis contributed what he did to the comedy zeitgeist because uh, the guy was a genius. He will be missed. And also, also, wait, keep the music going. I have another one. 
Oh, what, you got a bonus final unload? I do. I'm gonna you do. do I'm gonna do, do it for PJ. You doing PJs? Yes. Twenty years ago, yesterday, we lost another comedic genius in Bill Hicks. Uh, if you get a chance, go see a documentary. It's on Netflix called Bill Hicks American. If you want to see one of the truly transcendent stand-up comedians of our time. And whose brilliance is more realized now than it was 20 years ago. Like the stuff that Patton Oswalt wrote a great article on the Huffington Post about Bill Hicks and his legacy and how a lot of people are co-opting that legacy by saying they knew him really well when they didn't. But his stuff, a lot of Bill Hicks material is more... Uh, uh, you know, hit, hits home harder now than it did 20 years ago. A lot of the stuff he said, we're doing now, 20 years later. So it's it's pretty remarkable. So check out Bill Hicks American if you get a chance on Netflix. And um, uh, another great comedian uh, lost very, I think he was 32, uh, very young. Uh, and Harold Ramis, uh, 69. Good night, Egon. I'm terrified beyond capacity for rational thought. Certainly, you got a favorite Harold Ramis line? I don't, not off the top of my head, but yeah, just brilliant, and just Ghostbusters, and just brilliant. So good. So anyway, enjoy the Oscars, Cal. It's going to be a big fight for in memoriam. Yo, I think it's Phil, I think it's Phil Seymour Hoffman. I think he gets the last picture. Probably most recent, so. Yep. So enjoy the Oscars. We'll be back next week. Good night, Cal. Good night, Steve. Good night, milady.